Hey, welcome. Hey, thank you so much for welcoming me to this wonderful, great place. <laughs> the inner sanctum. Do you come here often? Is That's what you're supposed to say when you enter a building, right? I, I feel like that's what I've been told, what I've been led to believe society. That's like the line. <laughs> Terrible society, small talk. Yeah. You it's know. either the weather, do you come here often, or what are your life plans? Oh. Are you having children? It's, What's your career? It's What's crazy your lifetime how, profession? How quickly those just... Uh, escalate yeah they just they just jump right up really quickly you go from i think it's raining outside to so when are you you know what's your ovulation cycle like it's like it, it <laughs> it's weird how it's weird how our society makes those weird little jumps and everybody seems to be perfectly okay with it and nobody's managed to change it but you know yeah and i'm not you know if i'm on an elevator with you start telling me about your favorite vegetable <laughs> Let's do that. I'll be way more entertained. What's your favorite color and how does it pertain to your life story? <laughs> I should just like, we've been interviewing at work for people, like for new positions. I should just like use those questions that I've filed away to spring on unsuspecting strangers in normal situations. Like, like every interview question should include a small talk question so they can gauge how you're going to interact with your coworkers. <laughs> yeah, that's actually true. Like, like, let's bring up this weird kind of odd, slightly personal interview question, so then we can gauge their response. Because if they respond pretty well and like are you know, oh, nice and kind of happy and maybe gracefully manage to we worm their way out of it, this is a great person to hire. If they immediately act uncomfortable, that's a, that's a sign that they can't interact with other coworkers. And if they're way too open way too fast that means that they are probably going to start workplace drama or make other people uncomfortable yeah well catch that on our other podcast critiquing interpersonal relations with two privileged white males yeah <laughs> let's just dive in new business heck yeah corrections i was listening to my podcast or to our podcast, and I realized I do have MBA at the end of my LinkedIn signature, but I think I got confused in that conversation. I do oh. not have it in the end of my email signature. So, so wait, so you're saying that in, in your LinkedIn, when people see you, they'll, they'll see Trevor Boyce and MBA, but Correct. not doing the super pedantic, pretentious, like crappy thing of reminding everybody who emails and is aware that you have an MBA. You're not like saying to them every day, hey, don't forget, I have an MBA. Right. Yep. I'm not going, your account is live, Trevor Boyce and MBA. <laughs> exactly. Um, we have contact information now, according to our analytics people. Someone's listening to this podcast. One we want to know who you are. I hope it's enjoyable. Yeah. What's not enjoyable is our long email. Contact late to the party podcast at gmail.com. Email us. I mean, it could be worse. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you what's worse. Our Twitter handle, because every, all the good ones are taken. LT, so at LTT Party Podcast. That's our, that's our podcast Twitter. We, we, um, we can get a little bit. We can work on it, though. I mean, that's just, a, that's just like a placeholder for now. We can yeah. mess around and figure out crap. the proper, you know. Whoever has at late to the party is, you know sitting mighty fine they're probably enjoying all the fame <laughs> all of it yes <laughs> all the fames uh, my personal twitter is at trevor boyson b-o-y-s-o-n uh Reach and, out. and and my my twitter is uh at jack uh underscore c russ uh, with two S's because that's the one I made in college to do my jogging class and I haven't updated it and it probably should be updated. I could probably come up with a much better name now at this point in time in my, in my life and in my career. They're all taken. So you'll probably end up with a serial number. That's cool. You know, if, if that's what it has to be, that's the price I pay for not being clever or on, up to date on the internet trends. One might say late to the party. Oh, one could say that. Um, for but once, the question is, is what should one say that? <laughs> in our case, every episode. Yeah, exactly. Um, and for once, we're not late to the party because 
we are preemptively giving our E3 predictions today. Oh, yeah. So let's, why don't we just dive in head first? We should, um, we gonna... probably, we should probably start with the console that we both, or console and company that we both know. And I, you know, I, I had to pause before I said love because lately I, you know, I've only been popping it on to watch Netflix or YouTube, you know, related to actually my work or play Destiny 2 because it's the, that's the console I have Destiny 2 on. But yeah, it's, it's really frustrating. We do know it so well, but we're not super keen on it. Correct. Microsoft. Yep. So uh, what can we expect for E3? What do we predict slash the world predicts? You, you want to you wanna make that first prediction? Uh, yeah, it's Halo. There's going to be yeah. another one. I've, I've not played five. I've played the others. You um, haven't played five? No. Dude, it's on Game Pass. Yeah, I'm, I'm not on Game Pass anymore. Oh, we'll look, okay. We'll get you, to that. you hopped out of Game Pass. Okay. Just temporarily, probably, but. Um, yeah, there's going to be another Halo. I wish we could move on, but it's going to make money. I mean, it's like I can, I can fully attest to the fact that Halo was the reason I got into shooters in the first place. Uh, if I had never played yeah. Halo, my entire knowledge of first-person shooters would have been Doom, which isn't a bad thing to have. I mean, if you haven't gotten a chance to play last year's phenomenal Doom remake, you absolutely should. It's a wonderful, incredible game. But at the same time like halo really reinvented for me what is what a first person shooter should be and i got super into it and was just you know off to the races for one through four including reach and odst i love those games and then five uh which i realized i just said to you that you should play it about two minutes ago but five just had it didn't have the same character didn't have the same punch so going into e3 like unless they tell me something completely groundbreaking about six or they tell me, Hey, guess what? Split screen multiplayer is back. Then I'm going to be kind of meh about it. Yeah. It's just done to death. I mean, I know master chief was originally created to be like this blank slate right. to represent the player. And then he t- turned into this amazing badass character. And at this point, I think he's selfish and is actually a terrible soldier. Oh, but he's, literally he's never terrible obeys orders. So, um, yeah, it needs to retire, but it's not gonna. Um, also, what needs to retire and is not going to, we're probably going to see another Gears game. Yeah. I'm actually a big, like, big proponent of this series, but I stopped after three, which is when uh, Cliff Blazinski said, we're done, there's no more, there's no point. And then Microsoft said, oh, yeah, we're, we got some ideas. Uh, so I'd never played who four. published I own four, but I haven't played it yet. I think it's partly because my partner and I have talked about playing four together. Um, and we haven't gotten around to it because we, we started playing three and they already played three before. And so did I. Um, and we were like kind of half-assing it in a lot of ways, but I, like I told him, I, I've, I've got four. I said, okay, well maybe we should play that soon. And we haven't gotten around to it yet, but um, you know, maybe at some point, it's just more of the same, you know, yeah. I mean? it's going to look good. It'll play good and it'll probably be fun, but it's, it's just like Halo probably, where it's probably not going to be bad. 60 FPS and look buttery smooth and fantastic. But like, yeah, I've done this before. This is just faster. And the people now that have 60 FPS, now they can kill me even better. Yeah. Bounce off those walls. Yep. Um, do you think Microsoft is going to update any hardware? I, the only reason that I, I think that they might is just to either announce some sort of update to the Xbox One hardware, perhaps to say, oh, the Xbox One has, uh, we've, we've changed around the, the box itself, which is, I, have you ever been around an Xbox One? Have you gotten to uh, handle it at all or be, you know, or play one? The One X? Yeah, the One X. No, I have not. It's it's a pretty solidly made system. Like I, I mean, compared to I've I've been around a PS4 Pro as well, and the PS4 Pro is kind of a big. It's a big kind of boxy sort of system. The Xbox actually seems more cut down than the Xbox One, the original, and it it feels like a solid, really well built computer, which is what it is. But it just feels like a like a solid piece of hardware, and so I I think the only reason 
that they would update it or provide any more software improvements is just to release it maybe with a more affordable price tag, maybe to package it with something else. But apart from that, I think we're about two years out from another full-on console update, at least two years. Yeah, I agree. If anything, price drop if possible, which I mean, they do like, honestly, the X is the most powerful console. Um, Right. That's the tagline, but I've heard it's consistently better than even the PS4 Pro. So that's one thing they got going for them. Um, Game Pass is probably going to get a lot of news. Um, It's a really good deal. You want to know my prediction? Yeah, I'm expecting uh, Microsoft to really, really try and push Games Pass by saying that if you pay for Xbox Live, you're actually your Xbox Live subscription is going to be paired. And if you are subscribed to Xbox Live Gold, you are going to have Games Pass without an additional charge. Oh, that would be bonk. I'm expecting that. I I don't know if it's something I, I I'm predicting it. I think it could happen. I think it's something that they might do just to kind of put them ahead on the game of the games on demand theme that we see going on because uh, PlayStation's doing it. Uh, I expect now that Nintendo is getting their own service, they're going to start doing it with uh, like some good old Nintendo retro games. So if you pay their, you know, monthly pass, you can play games, you know, like Contra and whatever they decide to put on their Nintendo on the switch, whatever can run on it. You know what I mean? Like maybe some old Mario titles, stuff like that. I'm imagining that every single system is going to get it. But because Microsoft yeah. kind of has the lead on online services, they stand to gain a lot offering uh, their games as a service right out of the gate and say, yeah, this is paired with our online service. You pay 60 bucks a year, you get full access to Xbox Game Pass in addition to Xbox Live. That'd be a stunning deal. Because, I mean, even if it's a discount, because of the time, that's still about it. They don't have a ton to keep people engaged on playing Xbox Live, apart from, for instance, like, and, and again, I could just be using my experience as an, as an example, but the only reason I jump on Xbox Live to play a video game, which is what gold is for, is for Destiny 2. I never play anything else, ever. Even though, right, it's not, I, it's not Xbox exclusive. Right, right. And so unless they start trying to lock in an exclusive reason like why you should get Xbox Live over um, PlayStation, uh, I think it's PlayStation Plus is the PlayStation service. I believe so. Yeah, then, then what is the point? And I, I'm pretty, I'm going to predict that I think that might happen. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. And yeah, really, I'd say overall, Microsoft, I'm just, I mean, that Game Pass would be good news. I'm not expecting anything earth shattering from Microsoft. No status quo, unless they announce some new uh, or announce some new IPs, unless they right. really bring something that they've managed to keep co- uh, covered up. Which, from uh, the the stuff I've been looking up and been listening to from different news outlets and stuff like that, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. There's not a lot of leaks yeah. going on. Anything being leaked is going to be definitely AAA third party stuff that's going to go to both consoles. So, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I think with Game Pass. It's not going to be flashy, but I think they're actually onto something here, and it's going to yeah. Maybe they're laying the groundwork for what's going to pay off in two, three years when the next gen comes. Exactly. And they're like, hey, we've got the best service and the best um, offerings. So, all right, Sony, right across the aisle. Yeah, dude. Um, I'm really excited to see Death Stranding gameplay I, from Kojima. I, I would imagine that you're probably more excited for Kojima's games than I am because I have Phantom Pain. I have it for my Xbox. Um, I think eventually I'll get to it. Maybe I'll do it this summer uh, after I finish summer school. Maybe even during summer school. I don't even know what kind of commitment that's going to take from me. But um, maybe maybe I'll pick it up after God of War. Or maybe I'll play... I've got God, I've got so many freaking games on my backlog. When I need to, yeah. Well, yeah, it's uh, it, the aesthetic of his games are so interesting, and I think like Phantom Pain was excellent, but it was just so bizarre. I think this is actually the game he's been wanting to make. Gotcha. I think this is instead of being like a military sim with like some really psycho stuff, it's just going to go pure psycho with like a dash of military. Um, so that's why I'm so interested is just to see, like he's going to come up with something that nobody's seen before. I think even if it's still shooter based. Right. 
Um, so hoping to see some gameplay. That would be unbelievable because the the trailer with like Norman Reedus and it's just and like the like Guillermo del Toro old ocean or something from what I remember. It looks so good. Um, Days Gone. Yeah, that's another one. So so this is this is one that I I've actually been kind of interested in because. You and I have both uh, talked kind of significantly about State of Decay 2. We talked a little bit about it, but I think mostly it's kind of dropped off the radar because it seems to be sort of that uh, here's something to do, grind it forever kind of gameplay style that uh, Destiny is really famous for. And why would you want more than one of those kind of games, right? But Days Gone seems to be a different sort of character than that. It doesn't seem to have the same, uh, like, slow burn, base building, economy management style that State of Decay 2 does. Which, when I look at State of Decay 2, that gameplay style with the slow burn, base building, economy driven, uh, hunt down resources, build bases, manage, manage a population, like, that is its own brand of gameplay. And then the zombie stuff is just kind of secondary to that. But Days Gone... From what I've seen of it, it's very much a game that builds off of a... Well, for instance, I I, I split up my zombie fiction into, like, different categories. So you've got your stuff like George Romero which and Walking Dead, which is very much like the zombies are there, but just as kind of a uh, a facet to show human interaction. And then you've got your your other zombie films that are more in kind of the B-movie category, where the zombie movie... The zombies are kind of these superhuman monsters that really just attack and are just terrifying. And they're the real horror of it. And that would be movies like, uh, uh, I think the best example I've got for it is the, the 28 days later, 28 weeks later variety where they're terrifying and they like the zombie itself is scary. And then you've got your, uh, world war Z, um, sort of style movies where the, the infection part of it is kind of the shtick where something, like it infects people so fast that it's like a raging tide and it's this disease that wipes the population out in like an hour sort of deal. And days gone definitely has that last category unlocked because you'll be sitting there playing the game. And from the gameplay I've seen, we can see the main guy like fending off a horde of like 500 zombies that are just chasing after you. You just have to mow them down and stay ahead of them and just run away. And it looks terrifying, but at the same time, like so intense and so well designed that I'm excited to get my hands on it. If it turns out to be as cool as it looks, so yeah, it, look, it looks grisly. I hope it lands. Um, yeah, it's been a really solid year for Sony. They look well set up yep. moving forward with games like Day Gone, Days, Days Gone. Excuse me. Um, do I'm, you think that they might up their game service? to compete with xbox or i think they might uh i i to to focus back on like how solid their year has been i mean the games of the year that like as far as we can be concerned like exclusive games sony's had them on lock uh god of war you know dad of boy whatever you want to call it it's (laughs) it's it's one of the most well-reviewed games honestly of all time if if I remember my statistics on it, uh, I think it's the highest ever. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's even beat out the original Last of Us, which is is saying something. But like not just that, but they've got games like Near Automata, which is extremely highly reviewed, uh, and for for reasons that I've yet to discover, but I'll get into it hopefully eventually. Um, they've got games like Horizon Zero Dawn, which even though it had its own issues, was graphically amazing. Uh, they've got just so many different exclusives that right now I think they're focusing less on nailing down the sort of games as a service and the backwards compatible stuff like Xbox is because they've got so much uh, strong intellectual property locked down. So probably right now they're going to rely on the strength of their ability to keep and maintain good IP and instead just like keep developing that But besides making new subscription style gaming which i think my yeah i 100 percent agree they're at the top they don't need to change they have a winning strategy um yeah 
good year for them. I'd say the biggest, I think Death Stranding is going to be the craziest just because we have no clue what right. it's going to be like. Right. But otherwise, I think it's actually going to be pretty mild for Sony, but it's going to be, that's okay because they're in such a good spot versus Microsoft where it's like they need something crazy and I just don't know where that's going to come from. Exactly. And I think Microsoft is relying on its games as a service, on its uh, incremental software updates on its uh we've got a new exclusive that you've been playing for 10 years halo 6 is here you know stuff like that to hope that it'll keep people locked in and the thing is is like people that love xbox yeah they're gonna go sweet new halo cool but the fact that it's gonna be so kind of under focused that i I don't think it's gonna have the same impact as playstation is gonna have or sony is gonna have i should say totally so another company that has had an excellent year and I think is poised moving forward yep. too is Nintendo. I, and I, I think they're actually poised to have the biggest E3. I think so too. I think uh, Sony isn't going to have a huge E3 because they don't have much to say apart from just, hey, we've got these new games, here they come, uh, be ready for this. You know, you're going to have your, like you said, your Death Stranding, you're going to have your uh, other exclusives we're going to get to a little bit later. So here, whoops, I need to silence my phone. But you're, you've got all those things, but whereas Nintendo, they've introduced a system that I don't think is an exaggeration, but it broke the game. Like, in a lot of ways, it really changed the way that people kind of interact with video game systems. I know for me, I, I've been, because I've been so busy with work and whatnot, I've had trouble finding time to play my Switch. But the fact that it exists, and every single night I'm like, oh man, I gotta go up to bed, and I take my Switch with me just in case I can't fall asleep and just in case I want to play some Stardew Valley is like pretty, that's, that's something I haven't done since I was like in my early teens and I had a game boy, you know? And the fact that you can do that and play a game on your TV with the same console is pretty groundbreaking. And of course, Nintendo would do it. And the thing is they came out with not just Mario or just Zelda, but both Mario and Zelda. And that was year one. Right. And now we have a new Smash Bros. coming. I think it's going to be brand spanking new. I do not think it's a remaster. No, it's going to be... It, they, they're going to go double down on, on making this one new because I think you're right. I think they realize this is going to be the year that they really hammer down on the Switch because last year, it kind of came in on this sort of under you know undersold attitude where, yes, you've got this gaming system. It's really cool. It's portable and all that. And eventually, we're going to make some cool stuff for it. Um and I think this year they're going to come out and say, guess what we've got coming? You guys like Smash Bros? Of course you do. Here's a Smash Bros game you can take everywhere. You know what else is portable and fantastic? Yeah, Pokemon. Here you go. It's 100,000 times better than anything you've ever had. And, and just everything you could possibly expect. And they're just going to hammer it home and really try and convince people, do you have a Switch yet? Well, you should. Right. Smash Bros. I think we're going to see gameplay. Yep. Um, if not a tournament, Pokemon, I think we could see a tournament at E3. Uh, yeah, there is that tournament with the old Smash Bros. Um, Pokemon, I think the most convincing theory I've heard is that they're going to reboot Red Blue, but make it completely new and completely redefine this. Holy crap, that would be so cool. And the reason that that idea is also like another reason why that idea is intriguing to me is they've been able to recycle their assets for the previous games because it's all 2D. So it's like the reason they have such a huge Pokedex is because they literally just keep adding because they can just plug in the old stuff and keep playing. But if if this game is actually going to be visually different and actually take advantage of being on a true true console they're going to need to start from scratch, which means all new assets, which means probably a beginner roster. Dude. And if they're playing that nostalgia card, I bet it's oh, going to be red. Oh, man. If, if, they re- if they rehash, like, blue, Pokemon Blue, and re-release it in, like, this 3D new updated world and say, like, hey, guess what? Same adventure, new style. I would be so on board with that. That would be, like, the hidden nostalgia. I'd go, I played that when I was in preschool that was like 20 years ago man that i played pokemon blue i would be all about that you know yeah and that would be really cool 
That'd be mind blowing. Fun fact: I've never played a Pokemon game. I didn't have a Game Boy when ever I was enough to like be into it. Yeah, it's one of the under like one of those games where I'm intrigued, but I haven't played it yet. Um, but I'm very interested. Holy cow, so, Trevor! You love RPGs and you've never played a Pokemon game. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. Oh I know. man, <laughs> you are in for so such that could a be treat, really fun. dude. So if it's a reboot, I'd be especially excited. Oh man, that would be so cool. Especially if you could, if your first Pokemon game could be a rebooted version of Blue or Red. Man, what a great start. That would be really cool. And the crazy thing is like, what if they actually release two games? What if they go that old school where they literally release a red and a blue you know, and then they're selling If, if anybody set. could do it, it would be Nintendo. It would be. Um, I'm really excited. Um, we've been texting this week and I was just kind of like looking at Splatoon gameplay on YouTube because I knew nothing about right. it. Um, I think that this is another game where Nintendo's trying to just find something that's like a multiplayer game that's fun, like Smash Bros. Nothing's ever going to be Smash Bros, but it's like just another entry into that category of like Nintendo multiplayer. It looks pretty interesting. I don't think I'm going to pick it up, but I've heard theories that they're going to really try to boost that franchise by bringing some classic Nintendo characters to the roster. Right. Which would be really interesting. So like bringing like Mario and stuff like that to the roster. Yeah. Maybe like link or who knows who, and they could even do arena stuff and paint colors. You know, the, the possibilities are limitless. It's just like smash bros. Anybody from Nintendo could fit in. So um, that could be pretty fun. Another one that's going to be nuts. I think we're going to see Metroid Prime 4 gameplay. I think it's just going to be a trailer, Dude, but it's going to be a game. I really trailer. hope so because uh, have, you ever, you, have you ever played a Metroid game or a Metroid Prime game? Friends' houses on the N64. Okay. So as soon as you. Oh, man, I've got it from, I, I got it from a GameCube back when I was in high school. And it was such an engrossing game. It was, it was this weird mix up because it was a first person game, but at the same time you didn't have the same sort of uh, motion and look controls as you would expect in a first person game, but it was so engaging. I love Metroid prime. It was the only one I ever played. I didn't play Metroid prime two or the one where you had like the dark reversal thing. I, I think that was three, um, but I loved it. And so if I can get it for the switch and they sort of, Either incorporate, even if it's that kind of on rails, look around, shoot stuff, do your uh, Metroid-y deal where you have to find this thing and then backtrack and do all of it again. Like, I'd still be into that, but we'll see what happens. Should be cool. Yeah, I think they're going to smash this year with, oh, sorry. (laughs) They're going to smash this year with Smash Bros. I bet Pokemon's coming this holiday season. And I think they're going to use Metroid as the bridge to next year, as the teaser to next year. I think you're right. Which is just crazy that they could have potentially these two years in a row. Just bonkers. Um, pretty exciting stuff. Nintendo Online is coming in September with Smash Bros. Just $20 a year. Um, pretty exciting. I mean... It's exciting, but at the same time, I'm kind of concerned about it because I'm already paying, like I said, for an existing online service. What about a Nintendo's online service is going to make me want to purchase that? You know, apart from the fact that I'm Switch and I well, love that's... it, why would I go with a Nintendo online? So what I like about this is if you don't play online games on the Switch, you definitely don't need it. If you do play online games on the Switch, like Mario Kart, ARMS, Splatoon, Smash Bros, it's only $20. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, makes- if you do want it, it's going to be that affordable. I, if you don't need it, no worries. But here's one thing. I mean, it's kind of a bummer that they've bundled this in, but like honestly, it's worth it to me. They say they're going to have cloud backup saves included as part of this. Yeah, service. I was I was you afraid can... you were going to say that. So that's, I mean, to be honest, that's worth. It really is. To me a year. It like with my Zelda save, I don't even want to think about that being in jeopardy. Darkest Dungeon. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I mean, dark and um, uh, Darkest Dungeon is something we can readdress in a later episode. But anyway. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, Nintendo primed for a massive, massive year. I really think Pokemon could be as big as Mario or Zelda, or biggest. possibly bigger. Bethesda, we're into the developers. Um, <laughs> Rage Two got leaked, and then they basically confirmed it, and we got a gameplay trailer. You know what I? You know what I can bonkers. say about that about that Rage Two leak is so it was leaked with a lot of other different stuff that came out of, out with it. And most times when you've got E3 leaks, you look at them and kind of go, oh, I don't know if that's really viable. That That's kind of weird. That's that's sort of not necessarily something I would buy. But then you see Rage 2, and Rage 2 is like, nah, there's no way Bethesda would do that. But then it's the thing that Bethesda's like, oh, yeah, dang, yep, we are definitely doing that. And now I'm looking at all these other leaks and going, oh, wow, a lot of stuff might be coming out this year. Yeah, I know, right? Golden age of video yep. games, man. Rage Rage One came out so long ago. I I remember vaguely when it came out. It was a big deal. Um, it looks so old though. Rage Two. I don't know. It's going to be a Borderlands competitor, yep. and I might have missed this in the notes, but I've heard from other people that the next Borderlands is supposed to be coming out, which is hilarious that we're going to get Rage and yeah, that's going to be a lot. Probably. Yeah, that's a war. They just, it looks bonkers. Rage looks ridiculous. Um, Mad Max cars fighting could be pretty fun. We shall see, right? I, I hope the story's good enough to support the gameplay. We'll see, though. Um, I think before Rage 2 got announced, we were both hoping, we were both saying amongst each other, like amongst ourselves, there's definitely going to be another Bethesda game. I think we were both thinking another Elder Scrolls because it just seems so like it's just time. So I'm actually kind of hoping that they cover Rage a bunch and then they're like, all right, wait, one more thing. And then they drop a bomb about like another Elder Scrolls. I mean, and they could. It's easily I, I well, okay. it's hard to say with with Bethesda because they've got so many different franchises, but I think it's pretty easy to say that. Elder Scrolls is their most popular franchise because when you think about it, sure, Fallout's really popular. Fallout's been popular for years, but the real selling point has always been which Elder Scrolls is out. Are you playing Oblivion? Are you playing Skyrim? Have you ever played Morrowind? Whereas Fallout is much more of a, oh man, I really love that Fallout, and it's not so so much of a uh, like everybody's played it, everybody's into it, everybody's all about it. Does that make sense? Right, it's a it's a cult it's super, classic. It, it really, really Fallout. is. Yeah, yeah. So I really hope. I mean, like this is great news. We got a Bethesda game coming soon. I'm really excited about that. So if we get anything else, that'll just be major right. gravy on top. Um, one of our favorite, our favorite developers now, CD Projekt mm. Red. I cannot wait because they say they're bringing an RPG. I'm 99.99999% sure it's It's going to be cyberpunk. Because there's no reason for The Witcher to keep coming I, back. Okay, it's done. I will say right now there are plenty of reasons for The Witcher to keep coming back, but I think it's going to be cyberpunk. Um right. I, they could keep selling it, but it needs to be it cyberpunk. Need, it I think be, they're going to blow it. It should away. be cyberpunk, but I will never ever ever discount them the possibility to bring back Maybe not Geralt, but definitely the Witcher's world because Witcher yeah. Three, Witcher Three was such a resoundly loved game by certain groups. Like uh, as we were talking about earlier this week, I I still I've played some games that have blown my mind since I played Witcher Three. You know, like I've gotten super into games that I think are phenomenal. I love God of War. I think God of War is one of the best games I've ever played. I loved Horizon Zero Dawn with all its faults, but none of them have had the same emotional effect and draw to me that Witcher 3 had or kept me in such a way that Witcher 3 had. And then before that, Witcher 2. And so like with that in mind, and, and even with, because you and I have been talking lately about uh, Hearts of Stone and blood, and eventually Blood and Wine, and I really want eventually to have us do just a, an episode devoted to The Witcher, because what a great late to the party subject. Um, but <laughs> We need to do a yep, farewell. Yeah, we really do. To, <laughs> to Geralt. Ode to Geralt of Rivia. Uh, Gerald of Riviera. But, um, <laughs> like, 
the simple fact that 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 series had such a great emotional impact and continues to and i'm already looking at it kind of side eye like man if i beat god of war in the next month or so i might just start another witcher playthrough because it's something i can kind of do and not worry about like oh man i gotta keep playing you know especially while i'm working it's something that i can kind of sink some time into and yet love and have a different experience as i play it like cyberpunk is supposed to be bigger than that yeah and i i'm just thinking back to like witcher 2 but especially witcher 3 at that time it's like mm-hmm. we didn't really have good sword play in right. video games and right. then cg cd project red was like yo we got it and it's an rpg and it's gonna be mind-blowing and i think we're kind of at a part right point right now where like yeah we have the division and destiny but i don't think we have like a true like shooter rpg so they have the opportunity to really overhaul the whole RPG landscape yet again, which would be. Crazy. Do you think they'd be able to do it in a way that uh, what's what's that other kind of technoir shooter that you've been trying to convince me to play? Uh, Deus Ex. Do you think they're going to be able to do it in a different way than Deus Ex has done it? Because Deus Ex is also kind of cyberpunk. Yeah, I think the aesthetic's going to be nuts. The fact I think they're so smart for drawing on pre-existing worlds so they don't have to use up so much of their bandwidth creating their own world. They just figure out how to portray and play in right. someone else's playground. Um, yeah, I can't wait. Cyberpunk 2077, I think we're going to see gameplay. And I think it could be fairly extensive, like five, ten minutes of gameplay, I'm hoping. Um, another great, fantastic developer is Naughty Dog, and I think we got Last of Us 2 gameplay coming, because we've already had a few trailers. Oh, we absolutely 100% do. They've been crazy trailers. This is going to be a crazy game. I'm actually just constantly surprised this is not a more popular game. It's like, everyone talks as if it's good, but they never sound excited. It's kind of like when people talk about John Mayer. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i mean i'm personally a big john mayer fan <laughs> like people are just like yeah he's great and i'm like and <laughs> um i feel like that's happened with last last of us one where they're like yeah yeah one of the better games ever people are like but yeah it's, it's really, all right it's it's really good like it's really really good but you know i think they're gonna go a pretty crazy place with this because they're actually evolving the characters the ending of one was so nuts Joel really has some soul searching yep. to do. Ellie has is be has become an adult now. I think it's going to be fairly different emotionally, and I think that great combat and story will be there. I think so. I think it's it's going to be a game that honestly, if it's going to be, uh, if it's going to improve on what the Last of Us did, you know what I think, Trevor, and I know it's not a popular opinion. But I think they need to do less of the fighting than they did in the first game. I think it needs to be more story-driven. I think if they do any sort of action sequences, those need to be a lot more emotional and a lot less driven by gameplay and more by experience. Um, and if they do that, then it's going to make it it's going to make it hit a lot heavier than the first game did. Because because for me, uh, as as you watch me play, you know, because the first time I ever played the game was at your house. Um, I focused so much on the I have to nickel and dime everything in this game that I think some of the story elements slipped by me because I was too focused on I got to stay alive, I got to survive, I got to do this, I got to do that. And as much as I love that game, it's it's definitely in my top 10. I loved The Last of Us. It it also I think it could have done with less of the little gameplay moments that I got hung up on where I'm like, man, I've died to that freaking monster like 20 times now i just can't get this right and it was just frustrating yeah it could it was a difficult game i mean for me i thought that those emotional like i felt like the combat was always really emotional right. for me like i actually thought it was more there than other games but i don't know it's gonna be right. great it's gonna be so good um i think i think oh Sorry, back to your note. Do you think anything else is coming from Naughty Dog? I, I actually, I don't think it's going to happen. Like, if I'm being very honest with myself, I don't think it's going to happen at all. But that doesn't stop me from hoping it'll happen. And my hope is that they're going to do a remake in the same fashion 
that they did with Crash Bandicoot. And I hope that they remake the Jack and Daxter trilogy because um, I love, I love Jack and Daxter. Like I loved, I loved Crash and Ban- Crash Bandicoot. Um, for instance, there's another uh, PlayStation remake coming out this fall, Spyro the Dragon. I'm sure we'll see some gameplay for that. Uh, I think that's an Insomniac game. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's who that's the producer, developer. But um, I looked at the that Crash Bandicoot, the fact that we've already got uh, Ratchet and Clank remakes, and I just really want Jack and Daxter to be remade. I think it'd be so cool. I think it'd be really, really great for people who have been loyal to Naughty Dog for years. Um, but again, we'll see what happens, and we'll see if they decide to do it. Yeah, I think they're focusing on Last of Us. Right. They're such a small studio. Um, but, I mean, good sentiment. That would be fun. Um, a good studio that I think is actually sneakily like a dark horse for one of the biggest players in this E3, I think, is Ubisoft. Mm. Like, maybe second only to Nintendo. I think they have a massive lineup coming up. They've had um, a, they've had a couple of really good uh, releases lately. Uh, yeah, thank goodness. Like Going back to like AC Unity, they really listened to they, fans and they turned they it took around. Back to and they really credit. adapted it and really focused on what was wrong and tried to update their uh, their different titles to fix what was going on with uh, with the different games that they were putting out for sure. And they've so embraced games as a service, like. Um, Tom Clancy's uh, the not the di- sorry not the division Ghost Recon Wildlands. They've been supporting that game for a really long right. time now, even with a small player base. You know, like they're committed when they launch a game for it to be much better than their games used to be at launch, and for them to give it like two solid years of serious exactly. Support. I remember I had Wildlands and I was playing it with some friends and we were going pretty slow because we only played it together. And like six months later on, they completely overhauled like the flying mechanics. I was like, all right, like you guys are actually dedicated to making this game as good as it possibly can be. Um, So I think, and I'm really excited about this. I think we're going to see another Watch Dogs. I think it's time for Watch Dogs. Oh man. (sighs) Yeah, but... What are they going to do with it? That's my only question because they've already done Silicon Valley and they did it so well. So the big theory, and this is basically based on the end of two. I think they added some dialogue and some patches to the ending of two. Uh-huh. Some references to London, which is very Ooh. interesting because I think so. The thing about London is it's basically the most surveilled city in the world. Yeah, I think you're right. So I think that could be super interesting as a message. Like, I think Chicago was interesting because it was that blend of, like, the rich elite and then also, like, the slums and gangs. And it was kind of like, oh, our fancy technology can- company can make the whole world better. Right. In two, it was absolutely mocking, like, Silicon Valley broness and the arrogant arrogance of thinking that a single company can just revolutionize the world without con- consequence. And I think London, I think the big message there is going to be the cost of pervasive surveillance. Now, this is ignoring the fact that in every watchdogs game, the answer to someone spying on every citizen is to hijack the system and spy on all citizens. Yep. That's a joke. I don't care. The other thing, we've talked about this too. There's way too much fighting and God, there's in Watch Dogs games. Yeah. Like you're an activist hacker, not not a terrorist. I lo- <laughs> like okay, you've been playing you've been playing Watch Dogs 1. I'd love to hear your review of the total game at the end of it. But as of right now for me, uh I I played Watch Dogs 2. That's the only Watch Dogs game I played through all the way because I don't think you recommended it to me. I think I just looked at it and went, "That looks kind of fun. Might as well." I and, loved it. Dude, Watch Dogs 2, I loved that game. I thought that was so fun. I had a great time messing around and being uh, Marcus, right? I think it was Marcus. Yeah. Like, it, it was so lighthearted and it was so entertaining. And there was there was just so much to it that just made me happy while I played it. And I don't know what it was, but there were certain parts of... Well, no, okay, I know exactly what it was. But there were certain parts of Watch Dogs 2 
where I was playing it and I went, you know, I really like Marcus. Doesn't seem like this is something he would do. Like he's killing, <laughs> right. he's killing hundreds of people right now. I don't think this is something the guy that I've been playing this whole game would be into. Uh, so yeah. in, in game one, Aiden P- Pierce is an absolute lunatic and a self-branded vigilante, and he is off the rails, and it makes total sense. Well, um, and he has a uh, he's a cameo in the second game. Uh, spoilers, sorry, but um, he does show up, and when he does, I remember he w- he popped up in the game, and I was like, this guy's weird. Oh yeah, he's crazy. Um, but I'm really, I'm really excited. It's going to be another shooter because that's what's popular. But I right. actually think that their messaging is actually pretty interesting and ambitious. It's a very self-aware series. Like they didn't write Aiden Pearson one to be violent, you know, because they were blind. Like they knew the irony of his character, and they actually had him really struggle with it because of the story, right? Which was great to see. So. I'm I'm thinking London. I think it's a really really great setting if they choose to go there. Um, do you think we have any Assassin's Creed news coming? Uh, I think we could. I mean, I th- like you, a teaser. You want, you want to know what my opinion is on, on Assassin's Creed? And it's probably and you know I would say it's unpopular, but I don't know if it is anymore. But I think that Assassin's Creed is kind of starting to play its it's starting to play its appeal out. Uh, yeah. Which is hard to say because Origins is supposedly a great game. It's I've heard a lot of really good things about it, and for a little while it almost tempted me to get back into it. But the thing is, I've been burned by Assassin's Creed so severely in the past. Like, not necessarily that it's bad, but just that it's boring. And like I've there are so many other games that have fetch quests and stuff like that. And to and at the risk of sounding like a pretentious douche, I teach history i don't need a game that has fetch quests in a history format like i'm good with that i don't need it i would rather not have my entire entertainment focus captured by a period of time that i'm pretty well aware of and informed on if that makes sense yeah yeah and that's that's a totally fair critique i love seeing those cities in those time periods but i'm not as educated in those areas as you so that's not to oppose you in any way right like like for instance my absolute favorite game in that entire series has been black flag because black flag was placed in an era that we know so shockingly little about and the the little we know you can flesh out all that historical data and all you have to do is just for instance there's a scene in there where you witness the death of an extremely famous pirate like you're fighting side by side with him and it happens in the exact same way that it's reported in exactly one possibly correct source. And I watched that. And I'm like, damn, this is cool. Like, I loved it because it's um, I'd always been taught that this is the story. And then I have this, you know, that's pretty accurate for what the guy wrote. And there it is happening. And I'm there watching it happen. And I was like, that was pretty cool. But other games, I sit there and I play it and I go, this is pretty implausible like i don't i don't really buy that this is the way this went down and that's been my disconnect with assassin's creed since assassin's creed 2 if that makes oh yeah it cracks me up because every single point in history is literally directly connected to templars yep yep and i'm like no 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 the irony is that watchdogs is two games into its life cycle and i would argue it's like a modern day assassin's creed and it both times has been a much more polished complete game than any of the assassin creed assassin's creed games at the same period (laughs) which is ridiculous um splinter cell i'm really hoping this comes back sam fisher come back stealth it's not as popular but man that game series is okay well you say it's not as popular but what is one of the most popular games that came out uh, a couple years ago like that involved stealth in an open world dishonored no i'm blanking man metal gear solid you played it you loved it. oh yeah yeah, yeah like yeah, yeah. i mean i looked at that game and i played it and i enjoyed it but for me the epitome of stealth games like stealth action games has always been splinter cell like splinter cell double agent was one of the most thrilling games i ever played oh, as a it's kid. So i good. loved double agent and the only thing i can think of you know what i thought of at the the instant i heard that splinter cell might be coming back 
What's that? Splinter Cell in an open world on the same scale as Metal Gear Solid Five. Oh my gosh! How about that? What, dude? Right? Oh, now, now I've said wow. it. Now you won't be able to get it out of your head. No. Yep. Oh, it's man. gonna sit there. It's gonna fester like it's been festering in my head. And all I can think of is, man, I can't get into uh, Phantom Pain. But dude, could I imagine myself playing Sam Fisher in an open stealth world? Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yes, I could. Oh my goodness, that would blow my mind. And they kind of have yep. to because they another... have to. Blacklist was already so blasé, and I couldn't even play it because right. I it's just couldn't cool. bring myself to play it without Michael Ironside as his voice. Mm-hmm. One hundred percent true. I'm intrigued. You know what the stupidest reason for them not using him in Blacklist was? What he couldn't do the mocap because Are he's you a kidding me? man. That is, I'm that... like, let somebody else do the mocap. There's, there's the literally technology want. that can solve that problem in a heart. Oh my gosh, it suffered for it. Um, I think EA is going to have a very standard E3. You know, there's going to be Madden. There's going to be FIFA. There's going to be NHL. Those are all going to keep evolving. They do a good job of keeping those moving, actually. Um, we have another Battlefield coming. I'm over these, man. They look great, but, like, what's new? Dude, I just got to tell you, I am... I am so over talking about E3 or not, not even E3 EA. No. <laughs> I'm like, EA. all right, let's get like, off the uh, sorry, phone. Dude, that's not what I meant. No EA <laughs> because like, like you're, you you're fully aware of, I'm, I'm just so sick of talking about them and the way that they've like kind of destroyed a couple franchises that I love. But the, the only thing that keeps me coming back, the only thing that keeps me hoping apart from their sports games, cause they're very good at those is their Battlefield games. I know, like you said, they've been coming out, they've been doing this this format over and over again, but the thing is, is they're very good at it. And whereas I look at Assassin's Creed and I go, yeah, you know what, I know enough about that. I look at EA's games, Battlefield 1, uh, you know, Battlefield 5, which is going to be World War II again, thank God. I look at that and I go, yeah, that's a game I could get into because they nail the, the, the visual presentation they nail the sound. They nail everything to such a degree that when I play Battlefield 1, which I still pull out and play every now and then, I'm like, this is pretty sick. This is probably not how World War One was fought, but I'm into it, and I like it. And it's fun. But I guess overall, I'm sick of EA as a company, and I have a really hard time getting excited about anything they do. Yeah. I mean, Battlefield will probably be great, but yeah, you're right. Yep. Let's just keep cruising then. Star Wars, I think they're going to try to salvage, but... They're going to try. They're going to do kind of solo it. update. If they haven't done it yet, they will. What a disappointment. I don't want to get into it because nope. we've ranted enough about it. Yep. But incredible that they took me from ecstatic about a Star Wars game to completely disinterested. Yep, like It's, it's a, impressive. I own it. I haven't even sold it because I don't want to subject somebody else to buying it pre-owned and hurting themselves with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, another developer that we've really covered to death so I don't think we need to go very in depth with them we had a whole episode dedicated to them but Bioware yep. and Anthem we are going to see extensive gameplay because they have to show us that it's amazing and they have to hook us if they don't if they don't that game is doomed to fail right and if that's doomed to fail Bioware is doomed to yep. fail um, I don't think there's another Dragon Age coming quite yet I think there might be some writers on it, but that's it. That's all hands on deck to Anthem because they're in desperation mode. Yeah. I am super worried about a Bioware E3 because I'm just so afraid that they're going to mess it up and we're going to spend the next 18 months chronicling their slow, painful, gruesome death. Which is Which would be such a tragedy because whereas I'm pissed about how EA has handled some stuff, if Bioware drops out of existence because they messed up Mass Effect and then messed up Anthem. Man, like like so many of my favorite gaming experiences are due to Bioware. And that just really upsets me that they're at this point in, in the game. And if their company dips out and falls apart, then think about just such a shining beacon of representation and storytelling that they've been for a long time. And if they go away, then we don't have the hope that they might come back again. Right, right. Ugh. 
So we'll see. I'm braced. It might be a glorious resurgence for them. I hope so. Yet another developer we've covered to death is Bungie. Um, Destiny's big update is coming in September, so I think they're going to show us gameplay probably with a new enemy type. Uh, I don't think we're going to get gameplay with a new enemy enemy type yet. I think they're going to be coming off of the high that is Warmind, quote-unquote, used on high because most people are very lukewarm about it. I think the only reason that they'd ever show any gameplay of a new enemy type is because people are so lukewarm about Warmind in the sense that, yeah, great, it's... I, I mean, I can tell you right now, I beat Osiris, I finally caught up, and I'm up to date on Destiny, apart from the fact that I still haven't done the raid. But I beat Warmind's DLC in an hour. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah, exactly. Like, I beat the main campaign in, in an hour, and I still don't know what it was about. And that sucks. Ooh. And unless they manage to give players some kind of incentive to get invested in their story... You know, I'm I'm hoping at the very least we get some kind of story update, some kind of hint about what they're doing, but I would be really shocked if they did. So I'm going to drop an absolute nuke on you right now, Connor. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're not going to really be able to completely dissect it, and I don't want to derail us completely, but mm. I'm, I, ha- I have to break this to you because I suffered and you too must suffer. Mm. <laughs> so I listened to Kotaku Split Screen, fantastic podcast, right? Right. And they've they've been covering Destiny at it, you know, at regular beats um, for the last few months, and they were talking about the very real possibility that if the DLC does not land this fall, and Bungie is so pissed at Activision for forcing their hand into going down the Loot Crate Eververse just disaster, they could potentially buy their way out of the Bungie contract with Activision, leave the Bungie IP with Activision, and Bungie goes off and does their own thing. Okay, so I heard a rumor about that as well. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know if Giant Bomb talked about it. I think Charlie Hall and Dave Tack might have talked about it on uh, Quality Control, which is what, which is my video game review podcast I listen to that isn't Giant Bomb. You know, which I listen to Giant Bomb pretty regularly, as in once a week, but. I heard that rumor, and my initial reaction was not negativity. If that yeah, it's just like it's like disappointment for what could have been, yeah. but I'm actually like hopeful about that. I, I heard that, and I went, "Well, this is kind of a win-win situation for me because either either Bungie really saves Destiny, which I think has so much potential and is great, or yeah. Bungie does not save Destiny. Activision does not allow them to do what they want to do with the game." And they tell Activision to go shove it and then goes off and does their own thing. And I'm thinking like, yeah, guys, absolutely do that. Just please make something next time that isn't a corporate buyout, like all the time. Like, you know, learn your lesson well. Get back into what made you great in the first place. Do something inspired and inventive because both of their projects that they're very well known for are both of those things. Inspired, inventive, and completely genre changing. And the fact that they are in this loop now where they created something that sucked literally 1,500 hours of my life, and now it's at a point that is not compelling at all, it's kind of sucky. And it's not because Bungie isn't creative, it's because the people controlling the game have such an influence over them financially that they're not willing to take the chances they did in the original one. And I don't know. If they, if they leave Activision behind, I don't think that would be a bad thing at all. No. The only thing that makes me so disappointed is, if that were the case, is Destiny would become like Battlefield to me. Yep, like, it would. It would um, heartbeat. And the other thing that, like where I'm just, I'm no longer interested, and I love the Destiny lore so much. And the other thing that is just like, would be so disappointing is, for that to take place that divorce would have to happen next year after this year's DLC. Right. Which means that, which would be a huge mess legally, which means that we would probably be from today, three, four five years from whatever Bungie could come up with next, which isn't until like a few years into the next generation console. Right. That would suck. That would suck really bad. So, yeah, well, that's a wrap on Bungie. That's depressing. Um, 
we're gonna wrap it up with our favorite studio just kidding um <laughs> square enix i'm i'm really excited for shadow of the tomb raider it looks bonkers like, like i mean you say that we're wrapping it up with our favorite studio just kidding but the reality of it is like the two games that square enix is going to be responsible for i think could be really rad i'm yeah i mean shadow of the tomb raider i'm a total total sucker for indiana jones style games and it looks like they're evolving they've evolved lara every single game in this one they're really going to be tackling her ego and narcissism that's developed um it looks like it's going to be super combat focused which i think is actually super intriguing um to see her like really dive headfirst into that world and the consequences of it right it's going to be more the same which like i've heard people who played at the preview event and they're like yeah it's good but it's more tomb raider and whatever and i'm like no that's great like, that's the fact it, that they're evolving it but it still feels like tomb raider yeah that's enough for me so really pumped for that um so are you a kingdom hearts fan oh dude am i a kingdom hearts fan Okay, explain explain this to me so what what do you, what do you need to be explained what is what needs to be explained i i know nothing about kingdom hearts okay so have you ever played a final fantasy game no but i have friends who've been upset like i know a decent amount okay about them. so kingdom hearts the entire premise of the original game which is the one that hooked me and the one that uh i will love until the day i die even even if i go back and i like look at the game and I experience it again and I realize it's actually kind of a pile of crap. Um, like it's, it's a game that inspired my love for RPGs and inspired my love for story driven games because it takes the storytelling weirdness that is Square Enix and Final Fantasy and blends it with the world building that is Disney. And it does so with this really weird almost like childlike view of goodness and right and the way that souls and hearts kind of define personality and fate and it's so odd and it's so twisted up and it's so weird and most of the lore and the story doesn't make any freaking sense but i don't know what it is about it but i love it it's so great like you you are you play a character named Sora who gets this this keyblade it's literally a sword that's designed like a key and this keyblade has the power to control the uh the essence of souls and hearts and as you fight through this game it's it's a third person action game with rpg elements and magic and summons and stuff like that a lot like how uh most final fantasy games are but when I was a kid, this was the first game that I ever fell in love with and a hundred percented, which, oh, wow. yeah, like that is absolutely 100% the first one. And because it's that sort of game, the fact that this third one is coming out and I did the same thing to kingdom hearts two, I a hundred percent of that game as well. Kingdom hearts three is coming out. And I think it's been at least 17 years. Maybe, maybe, maybe no, I think 17 is extensive. Might be 12. I think it's 12 years. And the fact that it has been 12 years since a numbered kingdom hearts entry. Like I look at this one and go, God, I haven't been into this in over a decade, like almost half my life. Hell yeah. I'm going to be into it again. Why not? So we are definitely going to see some footage. It's going to be weird. It's going to be very Japanese, but it's going to be cool. That sounds so incredible to have like a more positive focus RPG, kind of like those Nino Kuni games. Oh, super! It's very like Nino Kuni in the sense that Nino Kuni is kind of this childlike look at how a government should be run. I think that's what Nino Kuni is. Uh, Kingdom Hearts is more like it's 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 a very childlike look at how a a world determined quest should go. Gotcha. That's pretty cool. The one thing I know about kingdom hearts was the keyblade yep can i fight back and say it looks more like a blunt object than a blade totally or does it actually slice? you freaking you freaking whack things with it you're not slicing anything you're just hitting things with it like, okay like you're not cutting anything it's the keyblade but it, it's you're basically smacking people with with an over large key there's nothing you're cutting you can't cut someone in half with a keyblade <laughs> 
Well, you know, hearing that stuff, like I was literally not going to pay attention to it at all, but I'll, I'll check it out. I actually am excited to hear more about it and see, like, do you think we'll see some gameplay? I, I, if they don't show gameplay, people are going to be mad. So I think they will. Excellent. Yep. That's really exciting. Gameplay, like those five, 10, 15 minute gameplays, that's where you see what a game's made of. Right. Not, not the teaser, not the gameplay trailer. Like Rage 2, you can barely look at anything for 0.5 seconds. Dude, the, the, the number one thing we can look forward to at E3 is the fact that there will be very awkward 20 minute segments of one guy standing on stage with a controller in his hands, staring at a screen that nobody else can see playing a video game. Yes. The fact that that's been a feature of E3 for years and is something that won't disappear anytime soon. Like, I'm so glad they're committed to that aesthetic choice. Like, yeah, dude, you're the low man on the totem pole. You better get on that freaking game, go on stage and play it, and God help you if you mess up. <laughs> With an even more awkward exec trying to talk over it. I, ca I can't even imagine that sort of, like, social my, my social anxiety being awakened to a point where like i'm sitting there doing something i enjoy but understanding that like thousands of people in an audience are watching this live and then millions watching it on the internet just l waiting for me to mess up <laughs> like that that is something that i go nope that i could never ever do that and props to you people who are and the the devs are just praying, don't crash, don't crash, don't <laughs> don't crash, dust build, please don't, please crash. don't break down. I think we're actually on the cusp of having one of the greatest E threes of all time. I, and I know I'm, I'm no E three historian, but it's just I when I try to think back on like previous years of E threes, yep. it's like you know maybe there was a crazy game, and it's like oh, like, we didn't even know what The Last of Us was going to become, and it's kind of, like, nostalgic, but I think, like, across the board here, we're going to see some crazy stuff. I think we will, too. It's just, like, and games we love coming back, um, new entries, lots of, like, solid. We're just, like, at this point in the uh, news cycle where I think we're going to see so much gameplay for so many of these titles. Right. It's not going to be, like... I'm I so basically I'm hoping that the industry is kind of returning back to like here's gameplay this is releasing within 12 months rather than here's this new thing we're going to talk about it with like screenshots and then like one and a half minutes of teaser and that's it and it comes out in 3 years. Exactly. Like show me and then hopefully it's ready so I can't wait. I really can't wait. I, I think it'll be good. I think it'll be exciting. I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens. Well, that's a wrap. Yeah, dude. That was, dang, that was a long episode. We've, we've been needing to do that for a while. It might be a record. I think that might be a record for us. Heck yeah. It was bound to happen eventually. Right. <laughs> I think that was episode seven, I want to say. I think you're right. Uh, I honestly, I'll be perfectly straight with you. I have not been keeping track, uh, but I think you might be correct on that one. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember either. All right. We're approaching 10. Contact us if you are listening to this podcast. We want to know who you are. Contact late to the party podcast at gmail.com or retweet at us at our aforementioned uh, handles. Uh, again, mine is uh, j at Jack underscore C Russ. That's J A C K underscore C R U S S um, on Twitter. Uh, that would be a reason for me to actually get on my Twitter and do something related to it. So if you want to do that, by all means. <laughs> Besides me direct messaging you. Hey, you know, that, um, so far that's been my main my main draw to Twitter, and that's not a problem. Yeah, and at LTT Party Podcast. So. All right, that's us signing off. For sure. E3. Adios. All right, Trev, see ya.